Welcome to Screen Quest, the podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, joined by, oh, I should probably say my name, Chris Waterman, (laughs) (laughs) joined by Will Rotondi. What's going on, man? And we have, of course, Mae Finch. Hello, hello. And very, very, very special guest, Eb Schmidt. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the show, Ev. We met you briefly on last week's episode. Mm-hmm. And we're going to learn a lot more about you in probably the next 15 to 20 minutes as we draw a side quest and learn about your history with film. On today's episode, we are discussing Event Horizon, which was Will's pick for Deja Vu, a category where we look at a film that is an homage or... Uh, evolution of a particular genre or film. Very excited to get into that. But first, F, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, let's start with your history of movies, and like in particular, like what you like about films and cinema as an art form. And then you, you get to answer the big three questions that uh, every guest gets to, to answer. Man, what I like about movies in general that is a really big question. Um, I don't know if if you're like a good friend of mine, you've probably heard me say this before. I just like movies. Um, and what I really mean by that is that I just love stories. I love storytelling um, in all forms. So I also really love television and books and um, just like any form of storytelling. It's probably why I have so much fun being a dungeon master for d d <clears throat> So that is like a really key element for me about any movie is that I really want the story to be intact and well told, like no shameless exposition, um, no like symbols that are too obvious or heavy handed, like preachiness or anything like that. Like just a good, like storytelling moment. Like, I hope you guys understand what I mean by that. I do. Um, I do. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, and I am also a very visual person. I'm a, I'm a visual artist. I've been like drawing and painting for as long as I can remember. So I do love me a good color palette in a film, like um, really good intentional stylized cine- cinematography. Like Wes Anderson is a great example. I think of a director you could call out with what I'm trying to get at. Um, <clears throat> not that a movie has to be hyper stylized like that, but I do appreciate it. I'm like, I see you, you know? Um, so, so yeah, just like stunning visuals and good storytelling. I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, <laughs> those are the big <laughs> things about movies that I love. <laughs> I can get behind both of those things. Definitely. Yeah. Same, they're I like think... all marks of cinema. So <laughs> yeah, it's a visual medium as you pointed out, right? Like it's, it could do things that, uh, like a, a book, like can't, um, and even like a play can't um it's a little more more controlled so um i think that's kind of a plus for that medium is that you get to kind of like perfect what you're trying to do as a director cinematographer whatever you get several attempts at it and um whereas like like watching a play like what you get uh is what you get for that performance and that can be exciting in the moment certainly but it's a little more raw absolutely i i actually had the privilege of going to an arts high school <clears throat> and we had, of course, all these different arts areas, uh, visual arts, um, theater, of course, including film and TV and band, of course, uh, writing. 
So and I just remember one day in like junior year, it dawned on me. I was like, huh, if a director got together all the arts areas, we could make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's another really cool thing about film is that it really showcases like every type of art that you could make. Yep, it's it's definitely a collaborative process. I've always like, on the one hand, I love like the auteur theory, like where you have your Scorsese's and your Hitchcock's. And I think there's some merit to that. Um, what I don't like is when people take it to like worship, like hero worship levels, mm -hmm. like ignoring all of the collaborators that make those things possible. Right. So like, I don't know, I think of um, like using the same example of, of Hitchcock, like there is no um great costumes without like edith head who like designed like all the amazing costumes in a lot of his films for example his music with collaborations with bernard herman so yeah yeah so Sorry, the only thing my arts high school didn't have was a costume department <laughs> maybe someday yeah i think like too like a lot of people go to like fashion school and stuff like that but i agree i think like they should that would be a neat way to integrate like um that type of like skill building like in a creative setting versus like a commercial one i, th yeah. I think that would be really really cool I mean, maybe the technical theater kids did do it i don't know um they were at the school till 2 30 sometimes striking sets so they did a lot of things <laughs> costuming wow. <couldn't> them. <laughs> anyways well are you ready for the big three questions i have notes <laughs> so I'm ready. <laughs> so the three questions that everyone gets asked are what's your favorite movie of all time? What's the most recent film that you watched that well wasn't this one, uh Event Horizon? And uh of course, like what are you looking forward to most for upcoming releases? Okay. So in that order, um I've never had a favorite film. I can't pick one and you can't make me. I have <laughs> respect. I refuse. I have whittled it down to childhood, adolescent, college, and now categories with only two films <laughs> in each one. Um, oh, wow. I'd be happy to give you all of them. Some of sure, them. fire away. Let's do rapid fire. Yes. Go for it. Childhood. <clears throat> Fern Gully, Toy Story. Uh, important note, I have continued to love Toy Story all the way on up through four. Um, it's not my most anticipated, but I am excited for the next Toy Story coming out. Bye. Adolescent. Donnie Darko, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, she was trying to be deep. She liked to think about a lot of, like, existential philosophical things. <laughs> you know? Um, college. The Big Lebowski, Pulp Fiction. I took a few film classes. <laughs> I realized that, you know, there was a lot of good cinema out there. and But I do remember rewatching these a lot. Um, and now, I'm going to go ahead and say Barbie. I wasn't sure if it was a hyperfixation um, or not. But, you know, it's uh, releasing on VOD today. And I, um, I don't know. The more I read about it, the more there is to unpack about it. So I will say Barbie. I think that is officially one of my favorite movies. And awesome. um, Inside Out is my comfort watch. I really, really love it. Aww. It's um, You know, I was a little older. I wasn't a kid when I saw it by any means, but it still really resonated with me. So I feel like it deserves to be on there. <laughs> um, So that's my favorites. Rapid yeah, Pixar five. films have, like, grown up, like, a little bit with, like, the audiences that, like, originally, like, they were, like, intended for. And they just, they 
do animation in a way that I think few studios like do. Um, you know what I mean? They certainly set the bar for like the kind of stories you could tell and um, the the I heights can go of like on and on about Pixar <laughs> and how much like they amaze and inspire me, but I won't because that's not what this episode is about. What I... is the most recent film you watched that was not Event Horizon? Um, a movie called Blackberry. Have you guys heard of it? Yes. Yeah. Mm. With Glenn Howerton? Yes. Yeah. With Glenn Howerton. Um, and I'm remembering his character's name from something else. Anyways, um, it was a very good movie. I really liked it. Um, I was both like really scared of Glenn Howerton's character, but also like he was cracking me up because uh, it's also like Dennis from Always Sunny. And this just felt like Dennis turned up to 10 and as a shrewd businessman, which really like fits um, very well. Um, but in addition to that, it's like just a really interesting story um, to me. So yeah, like based on true events, uh, the story of Blackberry, the company. Um, so I, I enjoyed like learning about that. And it was also really fun that it was like this time capsule of like the very late 90s and early to mid 2000s, like basically Blackberry's heyday. So like it was fun to see like that homage in like fashion and like um, even like the the mise-en-scene, um, the set design and like stuff in the background was like very like um, era appropriate. Um, it's funny to say that about like 20 years ago, but you know. It flips me out to see movies like that are now set um, in my, like not even like youth, but like adolescence and slightly beyond that are now like interesting true story like biopic kind of shit like yeah the and there's like a history angle of it a little bit too <laughs> yeah wow yeah way, way to way talking. to make me feel old uh, i guess I was but... a in high school in this scene like you know like... <laughs> well and to like recall something like that that like surely that wasn't that long oh shit yeah it's like 20 yeah. years ago. yeah mm-hmm. yeah we're part, old <laughs> part of it is i think the turnaround time has also just gotten shorter too like I noticed there there's already something coming out about like the Johnny Depp and uh, Amber Heard trial like yeah. this year. How did they even have time to write that and film that and edit it? Like what? Right? <laughs> what? Sometimes it's like like they're just trying to like jump to the front of the line and just get the first thing out. Often not the best thing, but um I don't know like the social network was kind of unique in that like way that like David Fincher made a a Facebook movie like either before or like right after they had like their like public offering when they, you know, went like had at like their IPO and stuff, which I thought was curious um, considering, but yeah, kind of a trend, I guess sometimes to to do like a current event, like biopic or film. Yeah. <laughs> it is a little strange, but you know, it's the world we're living in. For sure. Well, and especially like celebrity, like culture, I think like has, only like, gotten more obsessive um for like people love, love to to get that little peek into into the lives of famous people parasocial relationships or something like that when that people like right. in their mind are like friends with celebrities <laughs> and then uh what are you looking forward to most like for upcoming films so i'm honestly mad that this is a reboot type thing um but i am very excited for beetlejuice too um <laughs> yeah yeah nice 
hope it's good. That's one of those things that like this much time, it's either going to be brilliant because they'll reinvent it or they're just going to make Beetlejuice again, like with everyone older and sadder <laughs> like with like you know uh a new like star attached to it did i see that um who's the, the um the woman that plays wednesday she attached to play lydia's jenna. daughter what's that oh uh, yeah she's gonna jenna ortega um yes. she's gonna be in it um for sure and i don't know i i trust tim burton the only time he ever did me personally wrong was with his <laughs> uh willy wonka movie um, um so well i don't know alice in wonderland was kind of strange too anyway he's usually great um, <laughs> i really enjoyed wednesday the netflix series so yeah i um i hope that means he's like sharpened his claws and he's like ready to make or was ready to make beetlejuice too and it's gonna be great i certainly hope so i mean like i'm rooting for that movie for sure because i think like beetlejuice is my favorite film of his like mm-hmm. hands down i love edward scissorhands and edward but like beetlejuice is reigns supreme for me edward is a, a good burton mention I feel like people don't think about that one enough yeah it's a little like underrated underwatched i think because it is a biopic about a guy who made bad movies and it's maybe <laughs> not the easiest sell you know but yeah I, I liked it a lot honestly a hilarious pitch i'm gonna make a movie about a guy who made bad movies <laughs> I mean the awesome. the movie about the room did pretty well. So it's not a failing model. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but that was like uh I feel like marketed so well because like the room was like at its height and popularity for like midnight watches and things like that. And I think like just the press tour, like taking Tommy Wiseau like on the road with them to like talk about it as well, like was super helpful. Where it's like, I don't, I don't know how famous Ed Wood would have been when like the Burton film came out. I don't even know was he alive. He he must have died before then. Um, but yeah, in any event, like I, uh, you, that is a good point, May. Like I think like the uh, what was it called the Disaster Artist was like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gang, but it won some Oscars too, didn't it? Like, like I feel like it, it like, or at least was nominated for some shit, which was kind of wild. But... Well, Ev, are you ready to see what the cards have in store for you in terms of a side quest? I don't have notes for that, but I am ready. <laughs> it's extemporaneous, <laughs> baby. <laughs> All right. Ah, so this is, a, I feel like, a great pick. Um, so the card is known only in myth. And this is where you get to pick literally any film that is, like, obscure. Like, something that you think would be hard to find that, you like, you love or want to just talk about. So it can be a random app. Like, we've had some, ra- like, Will picked Surf Ninjas, like, from the 90s for one of his picks. Hell yeah. Um, so, like, it really, like, any obscure-ish film that, like, for whatever reason, you... Uh, would recommend or just enjoy this is another one i watched uh a lot in college um it's called the immaculate conception of little dizzle (laughs) (laughs) amazing yeah tell me more (laughs) it is um so it has been a couple years since i've last seen it but it's um it's honestly like just such a a mind fuck are we allowed to cuss or, or a head oh, trip yeah. okay um, yeah it's um 
it's one of those movies that's like just the like style of it and way it's put together is like very unhinged and chaotic um but in in like a way that to me works <clears throat> but it's also one of those movies that is sort of like like shifting its focus like what it like really wants to be talking about in the plot um like seems to change and sort of like comes together in a grand way in the end um I don't I mean I really like if I had to say one line about it um blue goo baby born out of dude's butthole do we know blue goo baby born out of uh, I'm sorry what was a dude's butthole. Okay. Yeah, just making sure. Very I got alliterative, right there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an English major. Like. Nice. I would. I'd love like if that was like the back of the VHS. I don't know if it's even like <laughs> enough for VHS, but it just like like starts to describe the plot, and then it's just like an ellipsis. Like. <laughs> like that's really great. So. Uh, how old is this movie and is there anybody like notable attached to it in terms of like yeah, cast or is. like and here's the part where i'm gonna do some quick googling yeah yeah please i have to type in the title and plus film so google knows what the hell i'm talking about so biggest notable names are natasha leone mm -hmm. um, and i love natasha leone and it is from 2009 year before i graduated high school yeah, not really any other big names that I'm recognizing. Natasha Leone is definitely the big name there. Cool. And do you recall the circumstances in which you uh, came across this? Yes. Um, a very dear friend of mine who was like my sort of like party Sherpa. Um, like he like taught me how to be cool and like do house parties. Um, <laughs> I love that. Um, yes, his name was Austin, and he was a really good friend of mine. And he showed me this movie because it is so weird and um, unknown. And he just like loved super obscure things like that, and always loved to be the person like showing people things. So, yes, Austin showed me this movie. Amazing. Well, Austin, thank you. Um, you might you might be responsible for a couple of more people <laughs> checking this out. I'm kind of curious. How can now. you not? <laughs> Blue yeah, especially with that yeah, that tagline. Especially. <laughs> In a world <laughs> where a blue baby. <laughs> where a blue baby is born out of a dude's asshole. <laughs> Into a toilet. Oh. I've said too much. Oh I've man. Toilet blue goo baby at that. that. <laughs> now I'm just thinking righteous gemstones. Me too. <laughs> she thought it was a turd, but it was me. <laughs> oh well, Ev. Hey, thanks for sharing uh, your picks and participating in the side quests. I'm gonna try to find some footage to insert. Uh, around that for the YouTube video. Um, <laughs> if nothing else, a trailer just so we can get a, a sense of the vibe. So yeah, as thanks. always, listeners, there's an incentive to come check out the, the YouTube video. If for no other reason to see what all that's about. <laughs> did you get the title's long? Did you get it all the first time? I did. Yep. You can repeat it one more time if you want for our listeners who might be like driving going like, shit, I oh, want to write this down. Good idea. It's 
the immaculate conception of little Dizzle. There you have it, Screen Quest listeners. Uh, there, there's <laughs> your next like uh, side quest curiosity. Thanks so much, Ev. Now I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Rotondi to guide us through our discussion of um, Event Horizon, which we selected for Deja Vu. So, yeah, so Event Horizon, um, exciting stuff. Let me tell you. Now I um, so it's a, a film that came out back in 1997. I probably watched this thing when I was in, geez. <laughs> if even middle school, probably, maybe earlier than that. And whether or not that was a good thing is arguable. But it was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and stars Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Kathleen uh, Quinlan, uh, Jolie Richardson, Richard T. Jones, Jack Noseworthy, Jason Isaacs, and Sean Pertwee, and probably uh, several other people whose names I will... Uh, leave to IMDb for you but I guess the long and the short of it is it is like a wonderfully depending on how you look at it either a wonderful or a gory uh, B science action horror flick that came out in the 90s that may or may not be a little bumpy of a ride but ultimately I thought was an entertaining um, suggestion for us to watch and talk about how it has influenced or was influenced in um, its, I guess, overall. I don't really know where I'm going with that. I'm sorry. I thought I had my stuff together tonight, and I think I'm just tired. But I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead and skip through the uh, the plot real quick for you so I do not, like, talk your ear off, and we can jump into some general impressions. But the uh, long story short, advanced spaceship folds space using a gravity drive and goes beyond the known galaxy, comes back, brings back this malicious entity with it that causes members of a salvaging team that go out to it to start hallucinating. Uh, they've got a scientist guy who comes along with him who seems a little bit off and ends up going crazy and tries to keep the crew on the ship. The salvaging captain, who's played by Lawrence Fishburne, is like, screw that. We're going to blow this thing up and get out of here. Um, inevitably, most of the crew dies. Only two people are left. They do get saved, but the ship is arguably, probably, still haunted so any other plot points that you think i need to fill in there or does that sound like a pretty good no i think that's a pretty up? good description it's a fairly straightforward like you know in terms of like the setup and like what what it is um so i think you did a great job cool well as usual first impressions uh and ev since this is your first time i'd like to go ahead and turn it over to you to tell us what you thought <clears throat> I would actually like to quote my fiance here and say that the film was visually stunning and technologically nonsense. Um, this was like a thread throughout it. I was like, this looks so cool, but this man is really just crawling around in a hallway that somebody just lined a bunch of motherboards on. Like, um, you know, like this dude's smoking, but like, and like smoking looks cool. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I think it's great for films. Don't do it in real life. But people who do it in films generally look pretty cool. My man was doing it on a spacecraft. Like, so um, that was something that I kept noticing 
Um, but the overall plot and like story that was being told did definitely hold my interest. Um, and I don't know, it was one of those movies that I had fun watching because I was like roasting it just like a little bit, like lovingly. Um, so yeah, I, it was, it was a fun watch and it made me like even more ready and excited for Halloween. <laughs> I feel like you have to roast it though, right? Like there's certain elements about it where you go into it and you're like, they're trying to be serious, but then they just kind of like veer off into like weird territory. And I know like you talked about the cigarette. For me, it's the captain's chair, like Lawrence Fishburne sitting in like what is arguably the worst designed captain's chair I've ever seen on a spacecraft ever. That just like wobbles around and turns really slowly. Everybody else is like hopping in and out of their seats. And he's just like, you know. I do remember, like it's like near the beginning of the movie. I was like, he's just going to wait the whole time. to like. Yep. He's got to <laughs> let it finish. You put the quarter in, you got out the whole song play out, man. You can't. Just... It reminded me of the old lady in Gremlins that's got the little chair that goes up and down the stairs. Nice. Like, this is like, what? Anyway, sorry. Beautiful. I, I don't know. I really like vibes like that, though. Like, um, things that invite you to roast them. And I knew nothing about this movie going in. I was like, I'm going to be like a good podcast guest star. I'm taking this very seriously. <laughs> Part of my notes are like writing down like you know it's part of the deja vu category what could it be referencing and vice versa and like you know like uh like here's a little plot summary of like the rolling like credit scene they kind of did to explain all the stuff that happened and, but very quickly i was like this movie is messing with me like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so yeah i i enjoyed it um especially for its roastability so I mentioned this to Chris and Evan yesterday and they took it as a burn, but it's, it's, if anything, it's impressive. I don't think there's an original line in this movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think everything is a reference or nice. plagiarism or whatever you want to call it. Come on, baby. Don't let me down. I feel like <laughs> I heard that line at one point. I'm like, Oh Yeah. Uh, or or like the even even just mundane stuff where it's like wow that really isn't everything when they do the explanation of what a wormhole is with the paper folding it's like I've seen that in so many different properties of course but that's to because be of here. I was gonna say because of this show though too or because of this film I think was where that yeah. came from so okay yeah. that was original that's good or at least it's been referenced twice. And I'm, I'll go ahead and just say this one for Chris, because he hasn't seen Interstellar yet. Chris, you're going to watch it one day. It's in there. And then the other one was Thor Love and Thunder. And even uh, Natalie Portman's character makes some crack about after she does it. She's like, have you seen Interstellar? Have you seen Event Horizon? You should watch those. <laughs> so, yeah. So okay. it may have come from something else. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely arguable. Yeah, but yeah, this is the film that I think of with that. So I think that's really funny that she mentioned that. But no, please continue. I, I also have seen it pop up in Stargate. Um, yeah, yeah. And a few other places, I feel. But you know what? I, I'll, I'll give it to Ben Horizon for this, mostly because I don't want to try to find an earlier example. But... <laughs> Hey, you know what? I'm going to look up Stargate right now and see when that thing came out. Because it was probably yeah. around the same time. I mean, that was... Jeez. All right, so the TV series was like back in the late 90s. So let's see. It just, the original just, Stargate, I think it's 94. 
Nice. Okay, so that would have worked. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. Who knows? Nice. Who knows? Yeah. But so um, you 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 had seen it before, and you're right. Here it is. <laughs> uh, I I honestly think it's impressive for a film to have so many homages and a perfect pick for this category. Although I got confused, and until uh, you guys remind me of the category today, I thought it was the trope soup category because of all the tropes. Nice. <laughs> It was Sometimes trope we... soup, though. Like it's part of that category too, for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, we can double so, dip here. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, for uh, me and my boyfriend watching it, we it just became a game of trying to spot the different tropes and and references and stuff, and it wasn't scary really at that point. Also, just because like the effects haven't aged perfectly well. Um, my other two comments are one: I'm convinced this was designed for 3D. I have in fact checked that at all, but with like all of the <laughs> like random scenes of like bubbles coming up to the screen and like passing through, like that's not some like made for three D shit. Like I, I don't know, it it caught my eye. Um, and since we're talking about our favorite examples of like beautiful art but technologically impractical, I have to give a shout out to the BDSM gravity drive behind Will. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's right kudos for subverting our expectations color? no one got <laughs> impaled that i can remember. that's right so, yeah you're like all these spikes somebody's gonna that. get it all of the spikes on that ship that was a missed opportunity if you asked me i wanted yeah. to see some some space people as little kebabs okay oh <laughs> But yeah, I had fun nice. not watching it as intended, probably, but I had That's fun. Okay. Excellent. All right, Chris, tell us what you got, man. Um, So the first thought <laughs> that I had, um, like after this film got going and I kind of had a sense of like what it was going going to be uh, was that I would have loved this had I seen it like when it came out. Like I would have been all about this, like in in its like heyday. Um, I think I missed out, unfortunately, on some of that like nostalgia factor for it. Um, look, I think it has a very strong like open. Like I was very intrigued by the premise, and uh, I really, really, um, enjoyed the setup uh, of the film. And you could tell that he has like Paul uh, Anderson has a ton of reverence for a lot of really amazing sci-fi properties, which I'm sure that we'll talk about. If I had to judge his understanding of those properties and what made them work based on this film, I would say he learned absolutely nothing like about why those films are great in the first place. Um, I didn't really care for it, like unfortunately, and I really wanted to love it. I think it was just like, it needed to be like either worse or like better for me to enjoy it. Like if it was like a shade like worse than it was, like a little more campy, I think I would have really liked it. I think if it had been a little better, I would have been like, all right, like it's kind of a product of the time. Um, but there's not a whole lot about this movie that worked for me. Uh, it was loud, like the loud noises, like really started to kind of piss me off. Where I'm like is this what you're going to do to scare me? Cause you're not building any dread. Like literally I just keep turning my TV down because like you're startling me with just, you know, um, out of nowhere, like things. 
I will say like the non like where you have the warning for it is actually kind of terrifying is the uh, the audio clip that they play. And I'm like, why would you want to continue towards that that sound that we just heard of all the people screaming and stuff? Um, that was ca- actually kind of scary. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It just it did it. I wanted to like it. It just didn't work for me on virtually any level. Um, it was a little silly. And there were a couple times that I chuckled. Um it's kind of like sphere and like, like, which is a film I have seen. Um, and I feel like if I were to go back and watch that, I'd probably feel the same way, but I have the nostalgia factor. And I also have like the novel, which is like significantly better than like the film for sphere. Um, but I can see why this movie has a cult cult following. Like, I think like I, and I I do appreciate its influence on other properties. I don't know if we're going to talk about that as well. Like, like you can tell that there was a lot of influence, like, on the backside of like so before like pre this but like in especially in the video game like uh space like there's some really really neat stuff that like i'm like they totally got this from <laughs> from this film which is I, I mean that's a good thing i think overall like it, you know if it if it manages to influence other stuff like it's not like a total loss but yeah i didn't really like it but it, also paul anderson movies i think maybe the only one that i kind of like is mortal Kombat anyway so i i had pretty oh, yeah. low expectations like even the original AVP, like yeah. nice. But. Well, and actually, all right. So first off, and I was telling uh, May and F about this when we had a little minor break, is that I actually really like when we talk about movies that not everybody likes because I think it's more interesting to see the stuff that does work doesn't work. In this case, it was kind of like uh, we talked about Mission Impossible too. And I sort of had like my thought about, all right, going into it, are people going to like it or not like it? You know, a certain certain amount of time has passed since that film came out and how it's evolution with the subsequent films since then. Um, Whereas Event Horizon was like a one and done deal. And, you know, arguably there's been some question about will there ever be a sequel? And it's pretty much like not going to happen unless somebody else picks up that mantle. But I agree with you because re-watching it I remember the stuff that I liked about it and I re- and I had sort of forgotten all the stuff that I didn't like about it <laughs> but when I was a kid the stuff I didn't like was mostly like in terms of it didn't really I don't know because it's a horror film you know as a kid I should have expected most of the people weren't going to make it out so I think I remember feeling like oh Lawrence Fishburne's dead and oh it's not really resolved, you know, very classic as we're talking about Trump soup, very classic, like, is Final it scare. over? It's probably not over, you know? Yeah. And like the people you care about, I'm probably not going to make it, you know? And so that, that was, you know, for me, that was mostly why, but I agree. There's just, it, it it's like, it's not really sure of itself. It's trying to be scary. And then it's trying to be kind of goofy, dark comedy. And then it's just kind of, weird you know like it's it it's so yeah it's it kind of it felt like it was just a rough ride or the product of like a uh, what may have been a rough ride to get to um from what i read about it it met there was like a version that was probably about two hours this one the cuts about an hour and a half or a little bit over um but about two hours worth of material that you know, maybe might have had a little bit more information, but also arguably wasn't a good cut either. So I don't know. 
you know, but I do appreciate that you guys were willing to give it a shot because I thought it would be interesting that even if you didn't like it, that it would be fun to talk about some of the influences that it tried to use for better or worse. And then as Chris, like you mentioned too, the stuff that's come after it. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about what's influenced or that we, that you might've noticed that we've either talked about before or that has, um, that's come up and I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, sorry, just while we're still in general impressions of it, I did want to shout out two specific things I really liked about it um, yeah. because I was almost like surprised to be like to have things that I actually really enjoyed about it. Mm -hmm. um, and that was that like any horror movie depicted what happens to an unsuited human body out in the vacuum of space. It wasn't like the most accurate depiction I'd say. Um, but to just include that, I I have always thought that that's like so horrifying and like um so I was just like yes like that's the stuff like um mm -hmm. that's truly very scary um so I love that they included that I don't know of any other horror films that have even tried to depict that um might be showing my ignorance there but um so I thought that was cool and unique and I also really enjoyed that the two people that did survive happened to be a woman and a black man, which in horror is like, you know, those are unfortunately typically the characters that are the first to die. Um, so I thought that that's, that felt very intentional um, that he was actually trying to subvert a trope. I don't know if it was, um, but I, I liked the outcome either way. Um, and well, I don't know. I, I have some debates about whether or not they were actually saved. So I, uh, maybe a little later. <laughs> um, but yeah. yes, I just wanted to mention that there were at least two things that I felt the film did really right. That's Thank actually a great point. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Chris. Like, I was gonna say like the cast is probably the least cliche thing in terms of like mm -hmm. the archetypes. Yeah. Like you don't have you don't have like the the snappy like sarcastic like doctor you know or <laughs> like I mean like you know he he smokes I guess which is like I feel like a lot of the doctors and like the space stuff like are like smokers like always but but yeah like no obligatory like um, I should say like tantalizing nudity like there is like the shot where he's like embracing his like deceased wife but it's not used for like titillation it's like you know it's a little bit different um but uh yeah i did appreciate that i think the cast is the least cliche thing which was surprising they uh like the i appreciate the diversity among the cast i will say a lot of them did feel kind of caricature-esque but i think it's partly For just because sure. there's so much happening in this film they could only really have one or two defining character traits like peter's is the mom and cooper <laughs> is the funny guy and you know but yeah. I, I feel like that was more just because they didn't have time or space to actually flush them out. Yeah. And I also like, you know, it's it's a woman and a black man that survived, which is great subverting tropes. But it also just so happens to be like one of the only characters that a sexual comment was made about at the beginning of the movie by the uh, by the man <laughs> who survived alongside her. So, um, you know, like it's not perfect, but I was like, OK. I see you like you chose those specific characters that's true and especially for cooper who 
we figure was probably going to get offed at least two times beforehand in the movie. And then is like not only like a source of comedic relief, but also like manages to get back on the ship after getting blasted off of it. He was so, doing the most, dude. That was like right? Cooper's no good, very bad day. And he fixed the other ship. He saved himself from starving to death or lose it, like just running out of oxygen out in space. Like, yeah, right. he was doing the most. <laughs> I want to see the movie from his point of view because that that would be a great movie. Uh, that would be. <laughs> if they reboot it, that's the only way they're allowed to reboot it. <laughs> I, I did chuckle when he's like, "Oh shit, I can't slow down," you know. <laughs> <laughs> Inertia, baby. <laughs> you know, like. Uh... <laughs> oh man. All right, well, let's let's step back a bit of that. Ev, you made a, a good point, so we're, we'll pivot a little bit. Let's talk about how stuff that we've seen that's come after this film that we can reference back to it. And we'll, we'll do it just a little bit differently because your comment about Justin, the character floating in space, Baby Bear, who like has basically stigmata, space stigmata, when his eyes start bleeding out. Um, and then Miller flies in and capture like grabs him and takes him back into the ship um there have been i think there's probably been about two or three other movies i've seen where somebody's been exposed to space but i've never seen it depicted like that but i would probably have to say for the most recent um example would be guardians of the galaxy just seeing characters in space almost dying in space not necessarily and that could be like the very first Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, film that came out, not necessarily any subsequent sequels. Although I feel like in every movie at some point, somebody has been exposed to the vacuum of space. But that's Marvel. And we all know the Marvel train. <laughs> so. I actually don't. I have protected myself from all the Marvel IP recently, except for the Spider-Man's um, nice. multiverses. Anyways. Nice. Well, yeah. So, I mean, besides that, I, I there was a movie called, I want to say it was Mission to Mars. I feel like that one had it. I could be wrong. I definitely know that Total Recall had some interesting ideas about what it's like when you get exposed to atmosphere. The bright eyes? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Like that, that sort of uh, exciting prosthetics, or not prosthetics, but... um. Uh, animatronics i guess or yeah that was really cool so yeah man but uh yeah any other examples that you guys can think of about that particular scene or anything else that stuck out to you that you were like okay i've seen this done again in a more recent property the only one i can think of is the magic school bus (laughs) (laughs) nice awesome like the like the netflix expanded or like the original original i watched this as a kid and it's i forget his name but it's the kid that never wants to be there arnold Mm. takes his space helmet off because he doesn't want to be there (laughs) we didn't wear these i'm done with it It's like the I think you should leave sketch where he's like in the, the paper mache. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> How did that go um, for him? <laughs> yeah, what happened in the episode? I don't remember this one. Um, he like started having like that reaction to space, and then Miss Frizzle instantly swoops in and like forces the helmet back on. But like it starts to happen from what I remember. Oh. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for them. Um, I have to go back and watch that now. Got that past R and D. Like no bleeding from the eyes, though. Just like 
can't breathe. I think he got like really like he like started swelling up and like oh. got, like really cold and like yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. To be fair, it was just the helmet coming off, not his whole body exposed, but like the worst part of your body to get exposed. Yeah, I used to be a a science educator at a museum of science and history, and we had a planetarium there. So, you know, I had to know what happens if you go into space without a spacesuit. I got asked very frequently, so I had to have a very accurate, family-friendly answer. so yeah, part of me was like, this would all happen so much faster. <laughs> um, but I mean, and I don't know about the eyeballs exploding in that specific way, but um, the the lungs and breathing all the air out of your lungs is a very good idea. Might buy you about two more seconds. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Does it help that maybe the event horizon was in cloud cover in the planet's orbit? <laughs> As opposed to like way out in space. That is a good question. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Justin, you wouldn't have made it, buddy. All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. An example that you, comes Chris? to mind is a TV show um, example, and that's The Expanse. Like, mm, yeah. spacing people, as it's called, like, is used as like the primary form of like execution. And they have several very memorable scenes where people get space and they definitely depict like the effects on the the human body um when when those scenes happen but uh um is are we talking about other uh things as well because i i like i said the video game space like doom three like so like the Mm. like when they try to make doom horror and dead space are the ones that really came to mind like um in terms of like coming across like a space where something has gone tits up like a while ago and then you know trying to kind of like figure it out and it being a combination of like external and internal forces which again like i think for a setup for this movie is really interesting it's like it's not just external forces it's also sort of like people within the space that are sort of being jack torrents into like madness and (laughs) become threats in and of, of themselves i think that's kind of a cool idea Nice, May. <laughs> I had to drop that. <laughs> yeah, so she shared a nice little image of uh, <laughs> of Arnold getting spaced. Oh, gosh, I'm throwing that in the podcast. Thank you. Yes, please. <laughs> Hell yeah. You want proof? I'll give you proof. Here's proof of what will happen to you if you stay here with your stuff. This week, they found a way to make it kid friendly, but yeah. Nice. <laughs> I am dying. His head is just a block of <laughs> um, You know, it's funny that, Chris, that you mentioned um, The Expanse. So I haven't seen the entire series, but I remember the opening scene being something like there's a, because isn't there like, uh in the first season like the main female character they're going out to find is in a ship and isn't she also like floating kind of like the dead body at the beginning of the event horizon shot is sort of like the jump scare that um dr weir like dreams maybe or maybe doesn't dream it's just kind of floating in front of the glass screen is that sort of the same way with the lady in the expanse at the like that same sort of opening establishing shot where she's in zero g but not necessarily dead 
or am I um, misremembering that? I'd have to go like go back and compare them. You're talking about like Juliet Mao, like when she's like trapped in the locker, like the the yeah. kind of the setup of where it's like, well, why is she here? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because it almost looks like she's underwater, and like is like you're like, oh, is this person dead? And then mm-hmm. they're not. But, but yeah, I have to compare. That's interesting. I could see that certainly. Yeah, that's you. That's mostly what I thought of in terms of that. And then you had mentioned video games. And I was reading something random and I wish I could remember where, but it was something to the effect of like, it's probably Wikipedia, but (laughs) people talking about how they felt like Event Horizon is sort of like a not like indirect prequel to like the 40K, the Warhammer 40K universe where they figure out how to, you know, go through using this advanced technology, like another dimension and like the demonic forces that are awaiting them there, kind of a thing that come back. So I thought that was pretty funny for any Warhammer fans that are listening to the podcast. But That is but yeah. so interesting. I can kind of see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, before we jump a little bit farther in and depending on how time goes, maybe not get to all the questions that I've got, but I do want to jump back and talk about stuff that we thought we'd seen before. Um, Chris made a nice little Torrance reference. So I have to, you know, we have to talk about The Shining for maybe just a second, you know, because I feel like this, this, when I watched this film, I, to me, it was like Solaris and mm-hmm. 2001, A Space Odyssey and The Shining and Alien all have like a baby together. And this is what yeah. popped out. So also evil um, dead in space. Yes. So yeah, yeah, so let's talk about that. <laughs> and anybody feel free to go ahead first. I I love that you guys said shining. I'm just now realizing that like I was like, what is this like evil thing like turns people against each other thing I'm trying to think of? And it, it was the shining. <laughs> Nailed it. Um yeah, I, I've picked up on those vibes without being able to name it. Um and um obviously some alien stuff, but that's I think a pretty easy connection to make. I appreciated that, like with the shining references, there's the obvious one with the, all the blood coming out of the tubing suddenly from nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, like right before that, there's that bathtub scene with the dead wife, and I like yeah. I appreciated that as well. Um, but yeah, it also feels very Evil Dead in space, just kind of like ill-defined, demonic, kind of cheesy entity that's really over the top and like I evil because cannibalism and sex and (laughs) (laughs) that's how you do it (laughs) Um, dead by dawn dead by dawn (laughs) and it's like there's really no clear motive beyond just like the possessive force like or or like really clear and like explanation of how um sam neill's character gets possessed because he just designed the thing like was he always possessed and like the possession led him to this i i, I don't know but Are you talking about dr jurassic park yeah Doctor. yeah park. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i called him throughout the whole movie because i missed his name <laughs> yeah. um but overall i feel like if i had to come up with an alternate title for this movie it would be evil dead in space or um <laughs> solaris the parody <laughs> nice. I see it. Certainly made me appreciate Solaris like so much more. And ter- I mean, still think it's a little bit long. Like, I don't know if that movie needed to be three hours, but uh, <laughs> I like. I think the way that that handles it is somehow 
uh, maybe not scarier, but I feel like I felt more dread um, with the what the entities kind of like like the fact that they don't want to be alive and how terrible that would be to like be ripped from like non-existence into existence and not know what you are and to be like a manifestation of somebody's like psyche made physical like there's something really terrifying about that and this this film like kind of like started to do that and then it like backed off and i was never sure like what's real what's an hallucination is this demonic is it like scientific like what the fuck is you know and i i don't think that like i necessarily need an explanation um for like a movie like this to to work but what i do need is some consistency and like i just i gave up like like probably halfway to three quarters through trying to figure out like what the rules uh were and i think that kind of helped um or made me less afraid in a way because i was like oh literally anything can happen like okay Mm -hmm. uh the alien definitely it kind of being the haunted house you know mentality where the ship seems to get kind of darker and more beat up and smokier as the film progresses, which is what happens to the Nostromo and an uh, an alien. The space lightning. Yeah. (laughs) The thunder. (laughs) My gosh, man. And the weird medieval rooms for a second. I was like, wait, did the movie just change? Cause I'm seeing lightning out the window and there's this weird medieval like interior. (laughs) Is that a pipe organ playing? Like, what is happening? <laughs> um, I I do. I think I like. I like how you said like that. There's sort of the personification of the place. Like that again, very cool idea. Like that. I don't think you see in a lot of horror films. Like where like the place itself is sort of like this malevolent force. Um, and unrealized, like in its potential, unfortunately. But yeah, that's that's very 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 true. Good good point. Yeah, this is a great example of like the set and setting is its own character. It's really an obvious example of that, in fact. But yeah, I was also confused about the rules of the hallucinations. Like right when I thought like, oh, these hallucinations aren't really real, like not actually happening. Like that lady's kid is not on the ship. Then um, the Matrix guy um, hallucinated the fire. <laughs> And it was real fire on the ship. Like things were actually on fire. So I was like, what? Like maybe it's he even looks properly surprised by that. <laughs> He's like, oh shit. I don't, like, I don't know. Like, you know, maybe that's a high level spell for the ship and it doesn't want to burn itself <laughs> hot. So you're not going to see it use it a lot. I don't know. <laughs> it's the best theory I've heard. I like it. I do have to like take a step back to, I'm glad that you mentioned like, joking about the matrix and everything but like so the way that Lawrence Fishburne delivers his introduction to the crew made me feel like I was listening to Morpheus explain everybody on the Nebuchadnezzar again in the matrix it felt like the cadence to his voice Mm -hmm. and just like the speech almost so I don't know if that was like a nice little um homage in the matrix in a weird way or if he just does that because that's just how he do or I don't know but I, I for a second there I was just like what film am I watching again okay yeah that's a screenwriter but, who doesn't trust the audience to intuit like by watching the characters do their thing I think a little bit that's how I took that was so real that when the the brunette lady that was the mom walked by Matt my fiance Matt was like and they got Trinity in this like, <laughs> 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 so 
far are they gonna go and then we realized it wasn't actually trinity but i kind of wish it was she'd have been great (laughs) nice yeah definitely alien for the uh I think almost like the setup too. You know, you get like a crew that's sent in, and without ruining it for because I know maybe you haven't watched Alien yet, so I'll, I'll keep it very high level. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah, like censor me out. Uh, that the you know you have a crew that gets sent on a mission, and you have a a scientist who's kind of there at the last minute that people don't know, and then you have a malevolent force that you're encountering and trying to deal with on a very confined ship. Although in this case, the ship is eh, sort of confined and sort of not, you know, it's very, it's like the long, elongated shape of like the ship from 2001. Mm-hmm. And yet also like tries to do like that sort of Gothic architecture look to go in with the relig- like the overly religious, <laughs> you know, symbolism that's kind of really in your face from the design of the ship, like a cross or, you know, the, I guess the iconography that you see in it, or even the guy who's got like a cross around his neck from their crew. That's kind of chewing on it when they're talking about going in. So, um, yeah. 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 I think the, Next question that I had then for you, just out of curiosity's sake, is did you have a favorite character out of everybody here? This is 1000% in spite of myself. Um, Baby Bear. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want him to be my favorite, but he ended up being my favorite. I don't know. I was really invested in him surviving, and they didn't mention it really after they gave him the emergency care until like the last scene. And I was like, where is he? Like, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not favorite, but it is the first one that came to mind when you asked. So it's got to mean something. I'm glad that you mentioned it, too. Before I pass it over to to May and Chris, uh, I'd like to also fact check myself. I'm pretty sure I said like two people survived at the end of this film. And I forgot about Justin because he was still alive. He was in his cryo tube. So three people um, survived to the end of the film. Uh, Cooper and Justin. And I swear I remember her name. Stark. I don't know how I could forget a name like that. Let's make it out of the end. Uh, but yes. So, how about you, Chris? Favorite character? Um, Cooper's the the dude with the um, oxygen, like flying towards the ship. Hell yeah! Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably my favorite character, just because of his uh, durability and determination, and probably has like the funniest parts of it. Um, crashing into the window and then immediately like being like, "Oh God, there's a guy with a gun like trying to shoot me," and he you know still manages to make it inside and get out. So that's my pick, I think. Uh, I gotta go with Smith because uh, again, proper response to a haunted ship. No, I want to stay on my own ship. I'm not getting on that damn ship. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> please fix my ship so we can go home. <laughs> yep. Yep. Play the demon noises, and he's like, "Nah, I'm good." He's <laughs> 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 like, "I don't care. I don't care what Latin he's speaking. Like, it doesn't matter. Don't go." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> most most reasonable person here, <laughs> even if he's right. a bit hot headed. Yeah, you know what? And shout out to him too, because he was willing, even when he knew there was a bomb on the Lewis and Clark on the ship they took it, he was like, fuck that. I'm finding that thing and we're gonna I just patched this thing up, man. Like we're going home. And then has like a 
I felt like a flashback to like the fifth element with the little time counter when he finds the bomb. But yeah, I I felt bad for him too. I thought he was he was a good he was a good guy. Yeah. Got a little hot, like you said, a little hot headed. Everybody kind of almost lost their their stuff there. But um yeah. Good choice. One of my notes is just all the men are getting pissy. <laughs> <laughs> They're having moments. Yeah. yeah, the men were like I, d I noticed they were affected maybe a little sooner than um, they were depicting the female characters as being affected by it. So I thought that was kind of interesting since, you know, men typically have more testosterone and stuff. Men are just so emotional. Yeah. <laughs> How can we trust That's them to run a country? Honestly? That's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're making a good point. So like Stark doesn't we don't see anything that affects her right and we don't see anything that really like we see dj jason isaac's character he with the sharp objects and like he's ready to cut somebody but like i don't think he really besides hearing things right maybe mm -hmm. like he doesn't really see anything that we see so i'm just trying to think about like and the other female characters hallucinations were all like fear-based and maybe guilt based like around her kid um yeah. and not too aggressive so you know kind of an interesting choice runner up for my favorite character is the kid that's just like haha you fell in a hole <laughs> <laughs> i do have to say i think miller was one of my favorite characters just because i like i think i like him for the same reason that i like Sigourney Weaver's character, Ellen Ripley. It's that they're put in really difficult positions and they stay. I mean, don't get me wrong, even he, even Miller, like almost loses it a couple of times, but like reasonably so. Like any normal human being who's put through emotional stress would probably react. And yet he has this almost like unnerving sense of calm, even when he is terrified about something going on that he still tries to keep it together and keep everybody else together and knows that he has to make a hard choice and so i don't know i think i always really appreciated that about him and that sort of resiliency um but yeah still feel like crap because he died <laughs> oh sort of leading back to what we had brought up at one point too was the question of are things really over and so I'd like to hear all of your thoughts about, you know, because it is tropey, um, whether or not uh, we think that has any influence on the on the answer to the question. But just sort of your thoughts about where it would go from there and why, uh, whether you think it's over or if the next exciting installment of Event Horizon Horror is like just a movie away. <laughs> and May, I'll go ahead and pick on you first. Great, because, um, yes, I mean... <laughs> why not <laughs> well because uh stark has that nightmare when she's coming out of stasis which is uh mirroring mirroring exactly what happened to weir uh at the start of the trap so the implication is that she's cursed or haunted or whatever now um at least within the world of the movie conceivably that could just be ptsd or a nightmare but within the world of the movie it seems to be implying that she's now possessed and will want to get back to the haunted ship and it just feels like a cheap kind of like oh we have to have like a little thing in there that's like a little bit of a cliffhanger so if we want to do a sequel we can have that as a jumping off point uh my, my interpretation is that they're just they for some reason went into cryo sleep i guess they had no choice 
I don't know. I would not go into cryo sleep knowing that there was something that could like mess with my mind subconsciously. Um, but they did. So I feel like, I don't know. And we had those couple lines about like, she, she's not going to let you leave, you know, with his like fabulous accent. Um, so, so I don't, I, I can't imagine the ship really just wanted blood and death, even though it did want that. I think it's sort of, um, you know, it's company, it's some friends. So it's Aww. just going to keep these guys in cryo sleep forever, torturing them mentally. Um, and that's my interpretation of the film. <laughs> it's, it's a little it. grim, but I love it. Yeah. Not for the ship. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, tortured or like tortured until the next like sex blood orgy, right? And then whatever like happens to the So that's my other question then too. And I guess Chris, I can I could ask you this as well, along with your thoughts. Like, what do you think happened to the original crew? Like, where did all I mean we see all the blood and stuff on the wall, but like was there not one person left? Like where where did everything go? There was a hand. All right, take it away, Chris. (laughs) <laughs> i think they're just saying that they're in like the other dimension you know like uh, that, that was that's kind of interpreted like they they got left behind or ripped out of the ship and the ships got sent back like as sort of like a lure but gotcha. um but who knows i don't know uh as far as my interpretation of the end yeah i think it's i think i agree with may's point where it's like madness is like a contagion that is like mm. you know um a result of whatever this otherworldly entity thing is and i think it's meant you're meant to imply that like now it's going to spread like maybe beyond event horizon you know um it's kind of hitched a ride yeah i'm sort of in the same camp for a couple of reasons i um because of the fact that the image that stark sees of weir's face is only seen by miller like nobody else saw him all like sliced and diced um so <laughs> i sort of thought well yeah if you have that image in your head then probably there's some connection there and then also the fact too that stark was the one who said something to the effect of like feeling like the entire ship was infected and had some piece of whatever had come back floating around or was part of it now fused with it and since they're still in technically part of the ship even though most of it got blown up you know that maybe there's still like an essence of whatever had haunted it or inhabited it or possessed it is still there so yep i'm kind of in the same boat on that so so who knows maybe one day we'll get a sequel hopefully not no. <laughs> <laughs> like and eh, new i think Chris it'd be cool ma- any online petitions anytime soon <laughs> maybe it'd make a cool video game like i could see this being like a neat like you know it could, could do a cool like event horizon game but yeah all right, guys. Well, before we wrap up and play a game, any other last thoughts, questions, concerns? Everything was eyeless until it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> the eyelessness was a motif through the whole film. He comes back in his final, most scary form, and he has freaking eyes. Yep. What? Yeah. What? I'm sorry. That part made me mad. I was like, "Where did makeup department had already packed it up for the for, for the film shoot?" <laughs> Maybe they weren't his eyes. Uh, I I don't I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't really him. Maybe the real weird got sucked out into space, and it was just a hallucination of him. Ooh. 
I don't know. I just had to think of the eyeless thing because, I mean, there was some continuity stuff in the film, but to me, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? You're just mm -hmm. abandoning this motif. Like, yep. why? All right. Anyway, that's the that's problem. <laughs> I think I remember reading somewhere that they had an alternate version where Miller ends up fighting the guy who he thought uh, the who he thought was a representation of the crew member that he had seen burned to death on that other mission, and they scrapped it and went with changing it to have uh, Weir's character be like the reveal at the end. So that may have something to do with it, but I agree. That's a good point. So maybe Chris was right. They just weren't prepared to do any more eyeless SFX. <laughs> we have spent the budget. Sam Neill was like, fuck that. Like, you got your one shot with me wearing this probably no doubt uncomfortable prosthesis or whatever. Yeah. I mean, some uh, actors are very vain, too. Like, he may have been like, if my face looks all crazy like this, like, at the very least, like, let me have my eyes. I don't know. I don't know. I know there must be a reason for it, but I don't know what it is, and it will probably keep me up at night. <laughs> so Gorney Weaver famously got paid a boatload of money because they needed to do some reshoots on Alien 3, mm. and she had a clause where it's like, once my head is, like, shaved and, like, the film is, like, wrapped and, like, my hair is growing back, if I have to shave it again, you're going to have to, like, back up the dump truck of cash, and, like, they had to, nice. to do that. <laughs> Yeah. That. my only other thought on this film is boy cg's come a long way hadn't it yeah <laughs> <it>? like <laughs> it's true some of those out like outside shots were pretty good but yeah like the the stuff floating around inside the ship was very looks very hokey now so yeah that's a good point it was not unlike flubber oh <laughs> uh, so uh, as a like song, Robin Williams yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, want to point out. That, I don't know why this triggered, but like, why did he? He has like literal copies of like the same photo of his wife on the desk. Like the art department yes. couldn't be bothered to take a few extra photos of like the same. Yo, like, that memorial was too yep. much. I was yep. like, dude, like, no. It's not yeah. creepy at all. Yeah, no issues here. We're good. Yeah. Or like the one that's like right next to the tub, like ooh. <laughs> I wonder why that's there. Mm, <laughs> we'll find out later. <laughs> oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> that's a deleted scene right there. <laughs> Director's cut, baby. <laughs> that's where that extra 20 minutes of footage went to. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I will say it's funny that so apparently this movie was a lot gorier um, than what was originally shown. And so they cut a lot of that out, too. So that may have that may be what's in the, the deleted scenes that may or may not show up. But uh, anyway, back to you, May. Any other thoughts? Uh, my last thought was just that. Um, again, probably not the first place this happened, but the way they 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 string up DJ. I was like, oh, Midsummer. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like that, or, or like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Mm. It's oh, like weird. when Hannibal makes the angel out of the cop, like when he escapes. Yeah. Just, yeah. When they know, did that, I was like, Weird did that very quickly. Like, I was impressed. Right? That was some precise work. 
He got right down to business. It was like watching a chef like dispatch like <laughs> veggies, like prepping like for a meal. Just uh, <laughs> nasty. All right, guys. Well, I think that's pretty much all I got. Um, I think shout out to the movie Sphere, like Chris, you mentioned, that does sort of, I feel like came out around the same time. I couldn't, you know, I honestly couldn't remember if it was influenced or may have been influenced by this because I think they were about a year apart. But just the idea of the sphere itself versus like the gravity drive and like we see in the image behind me there uh, for those watching our YouTube video. Um, but obviously the book came out like a decade before that. It was about like 87 or something, I think, when the book came out. So I I don't know, maybe might have had a little bit, might not have been. People might just, just read like the book, like metal if you want like a good, good version of the story, just read the novel. Yeah. Sphere, which for is an sure. excellent like techno thriller, sci-fi, whatever. Yeah. All right, so this this is a little two part experiment here. Um, I would like each of you to name me, and we don't necessarily have to do all of these, but name me two. Actually, no, name me three sci fi or movie tropes, and they can be either from this film or just in general, but probably from this movie if you'd like. Uh, just that come to mind. The okay. self destructing ship at the end that everyone's yeah. trying to escape off of. It's the it's the designated scientist slash medical person slash smart person doing a big plot exposition dump so you know what actually is happening. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Armageddon. Uh, I think it's also it's well it's Jason Isaacs in that right where he's like explaining that like if you were to like shoot missiles at the asteroid but if you put if you close your hand around the fist and use the firecracker analogy yeah <laughs> I love it. I I think like um I hope I'll say this right. Um like the inventor in love with his own invention, like so much to his oh. own detriment. Yes. That's a great pick, yep. I I'm glad and this is completely random. This should have been a like a random like a finishing thought thing, but I'm glad that you brought up like the scientist like in love with his invention to like the detriment of everybody. Because I think the one thing for me, and this is very much like the shining at least the film version of it, where I'm sort of confused as to like what the motivation was for why he sort of went bonkers. Like sometimes he seemed like he was with it and other times he wasn't. And so I think that sort of like confusion for me was why I didn't like the film. As a critique of the film was I was like, Am I, are you okay in the scene? Or are you not okay in the scene? And also what's, what's going on and why are you not trying to help other people out? So that just sparked another random thought on there. But yeah i agree it was um i don't know that was probably the most annoying part of the movie is that nobody had decided on a logic of how any of this will happen or works um i wish they had i would like to randomly assign you one of these tropes and ask you to pitch me an idea for a sequel to event horizon (laughs) (laughs) so i would like you to tell me how exactly event horizon 2 you know, uh, your own title pending. Would what exactly would happen if uh, there was a designated scientist or medical person who's trying to explain what has happened and what happens to the characters that we see at the end of the film? And Ev, since you are our guest of honor, I would like to uh, hear your take first, please. Okay. Um... So the tropes that we said were like mine, the inventor in love with his own invention. Yep. Um, 
what did Chris and May say? So we have the self-destructing ship. Yeah. And then we and then the uh medical the scientist or medical person who explains gives the the exposition as to what's been going on. All right, here's my pitch. Um it's exactly like the first film but <laughs> <laughs> nailed it <laughs> new younger scientist who has like maybe maybe they were like an intern under weir or something or their parent was i don't know and they think because they have access to his notes or whatever that they have found a way to make the black hole without getting hell brain right Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they think uh you know they have this false sense of security that they will maybe spread to the you know the crew that's there and um yeah it's definitely one of those sequels that just tries to be a new version of the first one (laughs) excellent so tell me what happens um to the ship at the very end if everybody's getting hellbrain also i like the term hellbrain yeah, <laughs> yeah hell brain. nothing you can do about it yep. <laughs> we don't have a cure for hellbrain <laughs> <laughs> we don't <laughs> and fire fire might work arguably fireworks but um oh my gosh so in the end this ship actually finds like because like it is uh connected to the old ship still uh, in some way that we don't have to explain because we don't have to make up a logic about how any of this works. Mm-hmm. So the new ship is going to find the remnants of the old ship and it's going to like, um, <laughs> like almost like a giant mech suit like build upon it and become oh, even sweet. more horrifying. <laughs> I love that. That's so great. <laughs> this is like some like anime shit like yeah it's just like it's incredible (laughs) um and then you know i want to see i want to see us go to this crazy dimension and then like right when we get there the movie just sort of ends setting up like cocky like it's like assuming a a second sequel is coming like (laughs) (laughs) to be continued has to come across the screen or to be concluded yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and you know there's there's an explosion at some point and all of that um you know (laughs) can throw it in where you want i like it that's cool so the mecca the mecca event horizon goes through (laughs) to the okay nice (laughs) solid i like it the new ship is called the event sunrise (laughs) (laughs) all right green light your picture (laughs) that's my awesome i love it great job all right may hit us with your pitch oh we're all doing them oh i thought yeah it was just getting yeah, to, to do everybody it. Oh. gets the oh everybody God. gets a gets a I shot sh- i should have been brainstorming while i was talking uh <laughs> no this is better this is, trust me I, it's better I go if you first you want in. time I've, no I've got, no like... i'm already I, i'm getting ready okay yeah. um <laughs> is this after evan's sequel or... no this this is like um <laughs> this is a different we're building yeah. a franchise <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're james I mean, cameron yeah. like, yeah. there's gonna be six of these films <laughs> 
okay. you want to, sure. So in this film, it goes when like the direction of someone that like saw that good omens was super popular, but like com- completely misread that whole situation. It was just like, <laughs> okay, we're gonna do Event Horizon Two, the Heavenly Bodies, <laughs> and <laughs> build a second ship. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for the benevolent. <laughs> <laughs> that has a, a white hole gravity drive. Oh. And <laughs> in doing so, they think that, oh, they're going to go to this really great dimension and like save humanity. This is in the even more distant future where like climate change is a huge crisis and we really need like some heavenly intervention here. So they're like, well, if, you know, they could get to hell, we can probably get to heaven. Let's try it. <laughs> And <laughs> in creating this ship, they accidentally summon the original Event Horizon. They're attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, there's a huge crisis when it looks like both are going to explode and annihilate each other and destroy every single dimension across the universe. Um and it's saved just in the nick of time by Lawrence Fishburne, who just kind of reappears. We don't know. Sweet. <laughs> he has become have eyes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he does That's have true. eyes, but he's also like somehow become like the president of hell. I don't know. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, hell's like a democracy. <laughs> it's so yeah. accurate. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, he uh, he saves the day. And um, there is like a scientist on board, but they're there just to be like the contrarian atheist who doesn't believe any of this is actually happening. Um, but uh, they do like have kind of a redemption arc and they do get to have their, their plot exposition dump moment. I love it. <laughs> That's good. I like it too. I love bringing awesome. in the celestial element. <laughs> <laughs> What was that? It was uh, Event Horizon 2 Heavenly Bodies? Was that yes. The, that was the title? Okay. There, there are sex oh. scenes, yes. Yeah, just I mean, it's sort of a zoo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chris, what do you have for us, man? All right. So true to the Event Horizon franchise, like Roots, this movie is going to like be an amalgam amalgam of like all kinds of different genres. Uh, first of all, the title, um, Event Horizons, just like Aliens, like it's just going to be like we're just going to going to multiply it. It's going to be plural, like right nice. off the bat. You know what you're getting into. Uh, Stark, right, was one of the surviving crew members, so they're uh-huh. going to make her the Ripley, who's like a consultant, and they're going to send in like a uh, a crew of like badass like uh, space marines to like go onto the other side of the portal to like stop the threat once and for all. Um, the exposition dump is going to be once again explaining how the technology works because they, they're going to assume that nobody watched the first film and are just banking on like <laughs> kind of a soft reboot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they cross into the threshold, immediately get their ass kicked. They're stranded on the other side trying to figure out a way. You've got the perky, like, uh, overconfident scientist that devises a plan where if they can use, like, the original, 
like because you got to have nostalgia right they're going to go back onto the like event horizon itself and like macgyver the engine to like destroy the hell portal once and for all so the countdown starts they're trying to extricate themselves from the other dimension they get through the other side there's the explosion and everything seems like it's great and then just like hundreds of the wormholes like open up and like the forces of hell come like pouring out of the the black hole at the end so i would watch that chris i would too (laughs) (laughs) Right. Listen. Hearing you talk about it, I was like, "Then what happens?" <laughs> Paramount. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm available. <laughs> I will make this the right level of bad. Do not worry. <laughs> yeah. What you said about like it couldn't decide if it was taking itself seriously or just going to be camp, like really resonated with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, and they, they, like where the genre crossing uh, when they're fighting the four, they're just zombies. Like it's just people that have gone crazy. Like there's an inordinate amount of like crazy people like like zombified like on the other side even though like the original crew was like what like six or something i don't know like they're just not gonna explain it it's like why are all the like even zombies everywhere yeah anyway that's my that's my pitch event horizons (laughs) (laughs) a round of applause for all the pitches yeah Yeah, yeah, i'd watch any of those to be fair (laughs) All of them sound better than the original film. (laughs) (laughs) Even mine, which just was the original film. (laughs) That's how every successful like sequel is done these days. So (laughs) you're on brand. I I had to represent that somehow. (laughs) My only request is if you have anybody from the original come back, please don't have them be old and depressed about their life. Like that's just that's the only thing. I'm I just I don't need somebody who. My, I don't need heroes that have turned into depressed old people. <laughs> no, they're going to be thriving so much that it's like a, a a one more thing, like one more mission kind of thing. Sweet. At the very least, <laughs> yeah. give me like the, the Lori Strode, like in the Halloween, like 2018, where like, yeah, she's a little bit of an alcoholic and she's a little traumatized, but she's also a badass who has just like been like doomsday prepping and like ready for like the challenge. I'll take that. Like, that's that's fine. Well, All right, well, guys, for we'll... the game. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. See, we're we have a perfect knack for timing, starting man. to talk at the same time. I, we're on the same wavelength, so I gotta, I gotta switch off, man. But uh, thank you all again for um, humoring me with that, and also for humoring me with watching that uh, exciting film. So thank you. Thank you for pitching it. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to get this off the list, man. Because like I, I've heard it talked about for years, and I've seen like lots of gifts and stuff. So I'm glad to have finally seen it. <laughs> me too i've never heard of it before this honestly but you know i feel like a, a, a richer fuller person for having seen it <laughs> <laughs> well the last thing we have to do is to draw a card and of course i would love to hear ev um plug her uh projects outside of screen quests one more time so let's find out what we're going to be watching next. And then we'll hear a little bit from Ev and we can skedaddle. All righty. Ooh, it is going to be an end of the world, which is our apocalypse, post-apocalypse category. Ooh. I believe this is a May pick based on the, the number. And I don't even remember what I put. Yeah. 
Ah, oh, dude, hell yeah. All right. So it is a May mm-hmm. pick. The film we're going to be watching is Akira. Hey. Which nice. I believe, is this our first animated film on the podcast? So. Which is really, really exciting because I know we have more than we, we have a few. Um, I just don't think we've we've gotten to it. So very excited for this. Uh, raise your hand if you've seen Akira. I haven't, even though I nominated it. It's- <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> great. Okay. Direction. Have studied the famous, famous Akira bike slide. Yes. Um, that is like any animation nerd will tell you that's super famous. It's referenced in all kinds of different animated uh, movies and series alike. And I actually have animated my own Akira bike slide. Um, oh, that's cool. But with a, like a little witch on a broom. It was for a Halloween thing. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, s- so please I- send that over. I, w- I want to like show that like, uh, like just put okay. it somewhere over yeah. there. But um, that's really um, cool. But yeah, the Akira bike slide. So you guys will see it. I'm sure you'll be like, Whoa! like that. It's like such a short little series of just frames, really. But it's it's huge, very iconic. So look out Doesn't for that. Doesn't Kiki Palmer slide. do it in uh, Nope as well? Like, isn't there like yes. a little mm-hmm. reference to that? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, dude, I'm I'm so stoked to hear what you guys think because. Uh, I knew virtually nothing about that when I saw it. Like I just kind of went in. Like I, I, the iconography is like pretty much the only stuff that like I knew about it. And uh, yeah, that's all I say. I know a lot about it, and I just haven't seen it yet. Like I'm aware of like a lot of the different cultural influences it's had, and I was like, you know, I should actually just get this off my list of shame. And oh, here's a category it fits in. (laughs) Well, I'm very excited to talk about um, about this next week. And hey, before we wrap it up, Ev, so thank you for being a guest. You do a lot of cool stuff um, outside of uh, occasionally DMing uh, for us in our D&D group. And of course, hopping on to random podcasts. Uh, Can you plug some of your cool stuff, please? Um, Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, So I do make handmade artisan dice. So if you play games like Dungeons and Dragons or any other tabletop role-playing game, um, I can make some dice for you. (laughs) Um, I have even made like very specific dice before, like D16s, um, which is not your sort of typical number of sides. But I also make just your standard like, you know, cubes with dots on them that you would find in a Yahtzee set. But it's beautiful and custom made and, um, you know, unlike anything anyone else has, because I made it with these hands instead of in a factory. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a really neat um, gift to get someone or yourself is some handmade dice. Um, so that is um, Double Take Dice on Instagram, if you would like to check it out. And I would also like to plug my art Instagram um, because... You know, holidays are coming up. A lot of people like to get commissions of their pets, their loved ones, maybe both. And I have done so many holiday commissions. I have a friend who actually like gets me to draw her um, Christmas card that she sends out uh, for the past two years now. So I'm looking to get those going um, started soon here because it will take me some time and I want to have them ready by the holidays. So if you want to check out my work, maybe think about commissioning me. That would be Instagram.com slash Sketchin Evan. And it's not sketching like I'm a sketchy person. It's sketching like I'm 
drawing. Okay. Sketchin <laughs> Noji Evan, E-V-I-N. And I'm sure, um, Chris, would you mind putting links in the description as well? You beat me to it. I was going to say uh, for <laughs> podcast listeners or YouTube watchers, you can find links to both of those uh, in the podcast description. And uh, I'll probably be showcasing some of your stuff here as you're describing it in the video episode. So if you'd like to see examples, they'll be flying across the the screen of some of uh, Ev's work, which is terrific. Thank you so much. And also thank you to May and Will and Chris like for having me on. Um, this was so much fun. I really felt like I was back in a uh, film class in college, which was <laughs> one of my favorite college classes I ever took. So um, I just, I had a blast and I might want to guest again in the future if you guys would have me. So yes, of course. thank you guys so much for letting me join you. Yeah. Welcome back anytime. Uh, <laughs> you can submit your own suggestion like Ev has actually done um, by clicking on a link that you'll see in the episode description. We uh, are going to be closing those pretty soon, but if you'd like to squeeze it in there, get your own film into the deck, we will certainly be happy to accommodate that. And you can even be a guest to talk about it if and when it is drawn from the pile. Well, that about wraps it up. You can find us at ScreenQuest Pod on X, and we appreciate your support as always. Till next week, we love you. Bye. Bye, guys.